Hey, I'm Matt Sparks. And I'm Branson Stowell. And welcome to the Film Exchange, where two friends and film enthusiasts discuss the movies that inspire us. Today's film is 1982's Fanny and Alexander by Ingmar Bergman, Criterion Spine, number 263. It's about two Swedish children in the 1900s who experience the many comedies and tragedies of their lively and affectionate theatrical family, the Ekdals. Matt, why did you pick Fanny Alexander? <laughs> I chose this film since it's near Christmas, and one might say this is a holiday epic. My memory of this film included a lot more holiday <laughs> than when I just rewatched it for this episode, but there's a solid hour of holiday cheer in the five-hour-long director's cut. I had always heard about this movie, but I didn't know the length of it, and one weekend I just saw on YouTube Fanny and Alexander part one and started watching it, which was a, like a 10 minute clip and just kept watching and watching and watching. And five hours later, I had finished it all in one sitting, not not realizing it was going to be that long. You know, I felt totally transported and uplifted after it. And I think the fact that I left it, the experience feeling so invigorated is why my memory of it has a more of a holiday aspect. And I remembered it being a happier film. I forgot how dark it gets. But I think the reason for that is, compared to Bergman's other films, this one is quite jovial and happy. Most of his films are pretty dark and bleak. And apparently his sets were always known for being fun and lively. But the films were always so serious. And he wanted to defy that expectation and make something, uh, you know, on the happier side. But it's interesting watching it again. I didn't really have a vivid memory of the plot details. I just remembered the impression it left on me. The final reason I picked it is because of the Bergman films despite it getting the most accolades when it came out. I think the reason it got so many accolades was because he said it was his last movie and it, it was his last movie. So they were throwing all the awards at him. But despite that, I think this one gets the least scholarly analysis of his more well-known ones in writing. I mean, I still see it ranked as one of the best films of the 1980s on a lot of lists, but maybe in 2022, it's still a little bit overlooked. I mean, maybe partially because of its length. But it, I mean, it's not the first film you think of when you think of Igmar Bergman. What did you think? Like, it's funny because it, it does have prestige now in the film community. I mean, it's on Letterboxd's top 250. Um, it's got still a perfect 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it certainly uh, has the pedigree of a legendary film, but partially its length and its position in his career might have made it a little more obscured. I remember like hearing about this film from you and from others, to be fair, but about how just kind of jovial it feels and also how festive it feels like. Remember, we were talking about Christmas movies. We're like, we got it. You know, this is a Christmas movie. And you're right. The first hour is nothing but like just amazing Yule tradition but i think my experience of the movie was uh only hampered because i came in expecting something that was festive and, and light <laughs> and this ended up being a little bit of a, a trauma story <laughs> at points <laughs> yeah in the beginning you're like i feel like you're instantly transported through the like set and art direction and with it being in the holidays like it just feels like time travel this is semi-autobiographical in a way i mean he was born in 1917 and it takes place in 1907 so not quite the, the same time period i hope he didn't have that evil of a stepfather but uh, i guess he did have a really strict lutheran father that the bishop was based on so but i was gonna say he so he he lived till 
2007. Uh, he just retired from film. I mean, he was always active in the theater world. Seeing his entire oeuvre like, would be a huge commitment because he made a film almost every year. He was just incredibly productive. And he was doing that and producing and directing plays. But he, Fanny and Alexander was his last film, and then he was very active adapting plays. But in the film, the mother, uh, Fanny and Alexander's father, dies in the first hour. And, I mean, it's not really a spoiler sets up the rest of the movie and then in her grief their mother marries a very uh tyrannical bishop <laughs> they move from a very colorful loving home with tons of toys and things and to a bishop who uh makes them leave all their possessions behind and move into his house which is it's almost a black and white movie because his house is so stark and gray walls and so sad looking and all his servants are scary and <laughs> i read a cool little bit about the bishop i was just comparing it to i guess plato's theory on the tyrant and it's plato was saying that the tyrant suffers more than his victims or the people he rules over and i feel like that's the definitely the case with the bishop is like he's almost his biggest victim you know because he's just a slave to his own worldview and um is just so desperate for these people's total devotion who will never fit his fantasy of what he wants them to be uh but i mean what a great villain right with the bishop i feel like in some ways he was like archetypal he was a character whose redeemability peaked the first moment you saw him on screen which was probably the funeral screen scene and then just went straight downhill ever since. There was no moments where you're like, oh, maybe he still is a good guy. <laughs> he wasn't the most complicated villain, I suppose, is my uh, critique of him. I read that um, a big inspiration for this was Dickens' work. There is something in Dickens' work that's a little bit more black and white. Yeah. Here's one question for you. The film is called Fanny and Alexander. I don't feel like Fanny got her due. I feel like the film is called Alexander and Fanny's there. <laughs> I, I literally was going to say the exact same thing. The film is really just Alexander, but I think Fanny and Alexander has a nice, has a better ring. <laughs> Bergman doesn't really work with children, or he didn't really work with children that often. And I feel like it might partially be that. And I don't think he's one to include any bad performances, you know. Maybe there were lines and he just cut them because it just wasn't serving the plot, you know. Um, and, and Fanny was significantly younger. I, I read that there was 24 hours of footage shot for this film. So who knows what was on the cutting room floor. Alexander didn't have that many lines uh, of actual dialogue, but she had to have four pages. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> what little she said, I did feel her allegiance with Alexander. And so in that way, the way that I reconcile the title, it's almost like... There's some camaraderie of the two of them against the uncertain elements of the adult world that kind of comes to oppress them in some way. Fanny and Alexander sounds a lot better than Alexander. <laughs> I think that might be part of it. <laughs> to me, this film feels less about the children and more about like the recollection of childhood because a mm. lot of it feels really like dreamy and even some events are a little confusing about what actually happened. It, maybe it's kind of Alexander recalling his childhood. It feels much more like memory than of childhood than focused on how their performance is and how Alexander is reacting to whatever, you know. Roger Ebert actually had a great quote on this, but he said, if magic is real, ghosts can walk, so be it. 
Bergman has often allowed the supernatural into his films. So in other senses, uh, the events in Fanny and Alexander may be seen through the prism of the child's memories so that half understood and half forgotten events have been reconstructed into a new fable that explains their lives. There's three things I feel like Bergman depicts really well and nobody quite does it like him. I'd say death, grief, and dreams and you see all three of those in this movie his deaths are always just so gruesome and harsh and cold and you always just see like that last agonizing breath and then the grief like just the screaming of the mother like pacing back and forth after the father died was just felt a little too real and harrowing but and also the dreams i love the dreams in this movie it feels so real to me the dreams i love the opening scene and that's what stays with me the most is when alexander is wandering around his grandmother's house and he's all alone and you hear the grandfather clock ticking which nothing says grandma's house like a grandfather's clock ticking (laughs) and he's kind of lulled to sleep and then you hear his breathing and then it goes into a dream and there's a statue that very slowly moves its arm and he sees a death dragging the scythe on the floor which i guess now thinking about it is foreshadowing what's to come with the breathing and the sound in that scene it almost feels like asmr like ingmar bergman did asmr before it was a thing because it's just so loud and intimate feeling but i think it really sets up the movie and takes you back into childhood because that does feel like you're just falling asleep at at your grandma's house. The thing that this film does so well is transport you to a different time place, but more importantly, feeling. But I felt like I was dreaming, watching a dream. I think that era, even though we're talking about 100 plus years ago, give or take a little bit, but it still feels accessible. The pace of life feels pleasantly slow. I mean, Fanny gets great joy out of licking the envelope to see it. (laughs) It brings back those kind of memories. Yeah, it does. You're right. It does. It really makes you think back on the best parts of childhood, I think. And, you know, I just want to be a part of the Ekdal family. They just seem like a great bunch. They seem like they have a lot of fun. They're great participants and patrons of the arts. They live in this cute, snowy Uppsala, this Swedish city. The production design, the set design, the costuming. It feels like time travel in a weird way. And yeah, it won four Oscars, the most of any Bergman film. Foreign language, costume, art direction, cinematography. Fun fact, I just want to mention before we close, Ingmar Bergman, I don't know if you've been to Sweden, but he's on the 200 Swedish kroner note. No way! I mean, they love the artists there. Robin has a stamp. I'm sure Abba has a stamp. At least the first hour would be a hard movie for anyone to just dislike. I think the length might turn some people off. You know, if you tell them it's just a miniseries, people watch all sorts of six hours of miniseries in a day. Ingmar Bergman seems like somebody who, as an artist, it seemed like he never had a compromise. Like, he never needed to do a commercial film to fund another one. But with that said, it seemed like he was really intentional with what he wanted people to know and express and everything. Similarly to Quentin Tarantino, who, you know, famously says he's only making 10 movies. He has one movie left and then that's going to be it. Then he'll do plays and TV after that. Tarantino's got decades (laughs) of retirement. (laughs) I mean, similarly to Bergman, like Bergman lived for 20 more years. Wow. That's one thing that I think is abundantly clear in Fanny and Alexander. There is just a lot of what I call quiet passion. But I think that that's part of the Scandinavian aesthetic. If you're in the mood for a Christmas fix, watch the first hour and then (laughs) pause until the new year. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks, everybody, for listening to our episode on the great Fanny and Alexander. We hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to leave us a review. Please, if you'd like to get in contact with us, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Film Exchange Pod, all one word, and also on Twitter. We are open to any requests or ideas that you would like to send our way. So please go ahead and send them our way. Until next time. <laughs>